I'll come back. 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 Hello, and welcome to the BarCast, where the bar gets lower every single week. Your bartenders for this evening will be a non-pencil. I'm fine, I promise. Enigmatic Otaku. Somehow I don't believe that. Flamin' Werfer. Good evening, everyone. This is going to be a very, very nice evening. Have a wonderful time. Milk. I need more beer. Ravage. Flamin' is sucking up so bad. Uh, and my name's Flutter Priest. Wow, shocker, we've got all the main six here this week. Um, <laughs> this week, the special guest that we have is actually, as a part of uh, High Roller PonyCon Month, uh, we have the wonderful voice actor, Bill Newton. Bill, thank you for coming on. You're very welcome. Hi, everyone. Now, for those of you who have not tuned into the BarCast before, and I'm sure there are likely many of you this week, um... The BarCast is a user-submitted podcast where the users ask for particular guests. We field them and try to get those wonderful guests in as kindly and nicely as possible. Then the users submit the questions, and we make them miserable for two hours. Um, <laughs> just like every other cast, we have a particular drinking word. Uh, this week's word is microphone. So whenever Bill or any of us talk about a microphone, please be sure to drink. We're streaming live on Twitch right now, so if you have any questions, be sure to field them in there or on the official thread out in FemFiction. Um, we also have a few questions from Twitter, but be aware that now that we're live, we're not going to be able to field them from Twitter because we don't have anyone out there. The lovely Anon Pencil is going to be watching the Twitch stream for any sort of questions. Pencil, what's a question that you won't be asking Bill? Oh man, so this week I'm, I'm being picky. I'm not going to ask, okay, we all know the question that I usually say here. I'm not going to ask that question. I'm not going to ask that question. If, if, you, if you ask that question for our guest, I will be upset at you, and I'll probably ban you from the Twitch chat just out of spite. So don't mess with me today. You want to you wanna find out? You want to find out how far you can push me? Try it. Anyway, that's all. Um, of course, the other important thing that we need to say before going forward, because this is one of our first main voice actors that are actually a part of Hasbro and have contracts and stuff like that, um, you can request there to be particular lines to be said in his voice, but we're going to have to be very careful because some things can and can't be said. So that let's let that be said going forward. Um, mm. So... Let's jump straight into questions. I don't think we missed anything. We have some actual interview type questions for you before we throw you to the lions, Bill. Okay. Um, so let's start. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with um, Bill. Who are you, and what have you done for the My Little Pony franchise? Who am I? Oh my word, that is that is deep. Um, <laughs> I'm Bill Newton. I'm a voice actor uh, living and working in Vancouver, and I have uh, done four uh, voices on My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And uh, those were Bright Mac, Pharynx, Stygian, and The Pony of Shadows. Um, that is who I am and why I'm here. Wonderful. Um, the next question is, who tapped your shoulder for side character roles on My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic? Uh, I auditioned for all of them. Um, so... Uh... Like if there were 
smaller characters or, or things like that. Um, it went through the same audition process that I had for uh, all the others. Um, so the first character I did was Bright Mac. Um, and then all the others, uh, occasionally in in voice acting and um, in other shows I've been on, you'll you'll do a you'll do a recording session, and sometimes the director or the producer or the company or a combination of all of those, they'll decide that they liked you and they'll uh, sort of earmark you or tap you on the shoulder for another role later. Um, in the case of uh, My Little Pony, it was all audition stuff, so I auditioned for all of those characters. Wow. So what made you aware of the auditions? Was it just like um, uh, something in the paper, find something on Craigslist, or was there like a recruiter or a agent that you have that finds these roles? Uh, so those ones were all through uh, my agent. Uh, and I suspect that uh, that My Little Pony uh, runs that way. Um, there's there's plenty of ways that I've I've been uh, auditioned for gigs or or been given jobs or found jobs. Um, all of the ones, all of the examples you just said, actually. Um, but so, some of the the I guess sizes of show like My Little Pony, they tend to, as far as I know, uh, exclusively work through agencies. So mm. all of the My Little Pony stuff came from my agent. Got it. Wonderful. Good information to have. Um, now the next question is a little interesting and it's going to expose that we're definitely a brony based podcast. If you had enough exposure for an opinion, what is your favorite part of the brony fandom? Um, would it be the online community, fan fiction, conventions, music, art, or, or do you find the whole thing just interesting and you don't have enough really exposure to form an opinion? I, I do find the whole thing sort of interesting. I've only had a bit of exposure to the fandom. Um, I first did my my first kind of uh, experience with the fandom uh, when I went to the last Brony Can in, I believe, September last year. And that was the first uh, convention that I'd ever done of any kind. Um, and it was sort of my first exposure to the fandom. And that was a smaller convention. Um, and then in October, um, I was invited to be a guest at uh, Ciderfest yes. in Milwaukee. And that was much bigger convention um, and uh, just kind of amplified the experience. And um, I, I love the art. Um, I love the enthusiasm of a lot of people in the fandom. I think that uh, being a fan of a lot of things myself, a lot of, you know, nerdy things, a lot of artistic and creative things, um, whenever I meet people who are passionate about something, uh, that always uh, is exciting to me because uh, I, I, I like to see people passionate about things. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, when... When I was younger, uh, we didn't have, <laughs> I'm dating myself a little bit. When I was younger, we didn't really have the internet. We sort of had the internet, but right. it was like internet 1.0. So there were like Usenet groups, um, uh, MIRC, if anybody remembers what that was. Um, oh, barely. <laughs> ICQ, you know. Um, those, those old chat programs and things like that. So it was a lot harder to connect with people. Um, and then I think that, you know, as the internet has grown into what it's become, the ability for people to connect, uh, who are into the same thing and show you that there are tons of other people just as passionate or even more passionate about the thing that you are too, that's been eye opening. And, um, so when I was younger and growing up, you, you, 
there's an element of feeling a little bit alone or isolated when you're super into something and seeing whole conventions built around, you know, um, what is basically a niche fandom. Oh yeah. Is super exciting to me uh, to see that, you know, there are so many people who've come together because of their mutual love of this thing. That's very well said. I mean, the Milo Pony Brony culture is definitely a very deviant culture. It's not what everyone would expect to see out of mm. those in their 20s. But um, <laughs> that's very well said. And I, I like the way that you put it. It's very well, um, very words. Anyway, next question. Elo eloquent. <laughs> I nailed it. Uh, if there's one thing that you could say to your followers or your fans, uh, Twitter followers, uh, people mm -hmm. who have just enjoyed your roles that you've done before in the past. Who are uh, listening what right would now. it be? Or even your haters, though they're like, "Oh, I didn't like that voice for that role." <laughs> like, what, what, what were they thinking? Um, I would say thank you, uh, even to the people who maybe didn't like uh, what I did, because I think, and it sounds a little bit artsy fartsy, but um, as uh, an artist and a creative person and a performer, um, knowing that something that I've done has sparked an emotional reaction in somebody whether <clears throat> whether a very positive one or you know perhaps they didn't quite like what i did but you know i i did something that reached out to people um and that's really the entire point of why i do what i do i want to i want to do work that means something to people and that uh that i can be proud of and so i would say thank you for liking it, not liking it, just watching it or listening to it or, you know, getting involved. Um, and especially to uh, the fans that I've met at the conventions that I've been to so far. Um, yeah, it's been amazing to actually sort of get that feedback because sometimes <clears throat> um, online, uh, like Twitter and Facebook and things like that, it's, it's hard to sort of see that as real. And it's actually, I think it's dangerous to treat it as too much of a real thing. And so when I have been able to actually meet people in person um, and have them, you know, tell me what they thought about characters that I've done or episodes that I was in and things like that, it, it feels really real. Like suddenly I'm not caught up in the kind of the online world that it can be so easy to fall into. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody is right there in front of me who really liked what I did or, or didn't like what I did, but um, it, it really, it's a lot more true when that happens, which isn't to, to sort of, uh, you know, undercut um, the value of when people have told me online. Um, but it's, I think it's too easy both ways to both listen to people online who are negative, but also you can't, like if you put too much value in what people are saying very positively online, it also gives power to what people say negatively. So it's, it's something I have to take with a bit of a grain of salt. Can I just say that it's refreshing to hear someone so level-headed um, from the MLP, Friendship is Magic staff, um, not saying that obviously um, the others aren't, but I think this is a lot of first exposures with direct um, contact with some mm. with uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. A lot of people who watch our show aren't able to afford to go to some of these conventions and stuff. And um, this is kind of their first way of really being able to contact and reach out to staff and get mm -hmm. that sort of one-on-one -on -one 
impression. Um, yeah. So it's it's really refreshing to hear someone with such a very level head and discuss this in a very open setting. So I I can't say thank you enough for coming up here. Um, oh, you're the welcome. next question that we have is, what are you most excited to see or do at High Roller PronyCon? Obviously, it's out in Las Vegas. There's a mm. lot that comes along with that. What are you excited <laughs> to see or do? Um, I have heard that there are some interesting museums, and this is the absolute dork in me, uh, which is that uh, you know, Vegas is Vegas, and it has a reputation and a history and a and a you know a, a, an idea of what it is. Uh, the things that I'm most interested in in doing um, outside of the convention space are checking out some museums, uh, going and checking out all the uh, the old Vegas neon signs because I love neon. Um, <laughs> things like that. Um, I don't really gamble. Um, uh, except maybe sometimes with my liver. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's the stuff that I'm sort of, uh, quite keen to check out if, and when I have, uh, you know, a moment to do so. Um, I'm also super excited about the convention because it's, you know, I'm still new to conventions and, and meeting people and just like, uh, so far the, you know, the sorts of activities and, and really fun stuff that uh, that have been part of the conventions. Um, I'm I'm kind of excited by all of it. Will this be your first time in Vegas? Yes, I've never been to Vegas. Oh, oh really? Wow. Uh, I know. When I've said that, people are like, "Oh." See, yeah. I, I've never been to Vegas either, and one of the things oh. I'm very excited about is cuisine. There's a lot of really wonderful. That's true. A lot of like food. really world class cuisine because so much so much money so much commerce so many people are going there that just like you get these crazy the shows i mean if i had more time if i had a week instead of a weekend um i might try to go see some shows because there's some amazing shows in Vegas. oh yeah oh yes i will say though yeah. bill there there is one of the best whiskey bars in the entire united states in vegas I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. That, I, if you I, were gonna put, if you were gonna put a whiskey bar somewhere, you'd be like, "Where is a place that was sort of invented for vice?" Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you're going to Vegas for the cuisine, if I recall, there's a hmm. restaurant in Vegas that sells a burger called the Heart Attack Burger. The, the Heart Attack. Yeah, yeah, I did happened. not know that. That's where that is. I've heard of that it place is. and that it burger. Indeed. Yeah, you have to sign an actual waiver before eating it. I have heard that, yeah. They're just like, look, if this does in fact kill you, well, you know, you knew what you were getting into. Well, it tastes like few, butter? There are, a few, <laughs> there are a few people on record who have had heart attacks eating there, actually. It's true. It's true. And hilariously enough, it was founded by a cardiologist, I believe. <laughs> oh, that just seems mean. Yeah. And, and again, it, it tastes like butter. Having had some of their food, it all it tastes, tastes like, like butter. Butter. I haven't, but when you're done with it, does it like okay. sink like a stone in your stomach? No, you actually feel it feels like your blood runs thicker. Are you it, serious? Yes. <laughs> it's, so that that sounds like when I eat uh, uh, too many pancakes. Exactly oh. that. Then. Yeah. That's sort like of a... like oh, I'm I'm part syrup now. <laughs> sounds like sounds like a soylent green situation over there. Where you, the part of the waiver is if you know if you do die, they you become part of the burger. It's not. <laughs> oh horrifying. no, that's awful. <laughs> well, that is a very green and eco-friendly uh, business policy. You know, reuse, recycle. Yeah, oh it's in God. the fine. It's probably in the fine print of that uh, waiver that you sign. 
Well, I wonder. Uh, well, it's like if you die on this premises, your family, yeah, your family can't sue us, but also you, you're gonna become part of the burger. If you die on our premises, <laughs> your body belongs to us. It is property oh, of the Heart Attack Grill LLC. Does that count as donating to science? I don't hey. think that's science so much as that's like. You know, culinary a, a feed of... it's culinary science. Let's go. Uh, with it. Yes, at least, <laughs> at least in death, you'll still be able to take care of your funeral's catering. That's oh, true. No. Do, oh, do part of the proceeds like go from from the sale of the U burger uh, to like the wake or the <laughs> things you like guys, that? You guys, okay. you guys, we have a regular, a real voice actor guest on the show, and we still. I know. I'm joining in. We still talked about cannibalism. We still well, talked well, about cannibalism. Well, okay, and I just started playing New Vegas recently, and isn't there a, yeah. uh, a white glove society that you have to go and find and uh -huh. stop them from being cannibals? Uh -huh. Yes. Yep. Yes, oh, there is. Or you can oh, encourage like, them, actually. I like me some mm. New Vegas. I like me oh, the whole yes. Fallout series. Oh, nice. Lovely. You can stand it, yeah. Anyway, yeah. you should ask questions. <laughs> you, you, um... We're all going to be out in Vegas. If we manage to cross paths in any way, we'll, we'll see if we can sneak past your bodyguard and give you a nice sealed bottle of something you'll enjoy. Ooh, I would love to know who this bodyguard I'm supposed to have is. <laughs> a, nice, a nice human burger besides that. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, go to, we'll go to one more question uh, before we throw us out to the lions and we'll see what the users have in store for us. But this is a question that everyone's always very excited to hear. And okay. finally, it's going to okay. go out on record. You can't take these words back. Oh, my God. Who is best pony? Discord. Yes! Oh, nice. <laughs> wow. See, there's oh. the box, and then there's outside of the box. I'm sure Mr. Delancey would appreciate that, too. Sure. So. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like John Delancey a lot. I, uh... Have you had the chance to interact with him in person? No, I haven't. I haven't. I'm just a fan of his work. Oh. He's a nice man. He was very, very kind to me, and I thought I was going to just puke all over myself when I met him, so <laughs> <laughs> he was very nice. We're not starstruck at all. No. It was, it was a Star Trek star, okay? Yeah, it was, it was a hello, Q. Please don't send me into an alternate dimension. <laughs> You're right. Q, aren't you, John Delancey? You're Q. Accurate. That is what I would do. You know, if you had a stutter and it just popped up right then, he'd think you were calling him cute. Oh. <laughs> well, he's... He's an attractive man, so. Yeah, well, I'm not saying he's not. Yeah, he'd probably but be can like. Can you imagine well, how embarrassing it is if you were to say that and you true. weren't wanting I, to say that and it's, you're just standing there? I, it was piling scaring. on top of embarrassment on top of embarrassment. I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to disappear into this crack in the floor. <laughs> yes, actually, I've done that. I've accidentally, in front of all. You've disappeared people, into a crack in the floor? Yes, no. he has. <laughs> no, I accidentally, I met one of my favorite uh, YouTubers at a convention, and in front of a majority of these people here, I accidentally mm -hmm. called them something else. It happens. Uh, I've I've been in moments where I've actually chosen discretion as the better part of valor um, when being around somebody that I'm a little bit starstruck by because I've I've checked myself and thought I am going to embarrass myself and this won't go well and then I'll hate myself for a while. So I'm just gonna say nothing. <laughs> I, I slightly regret it later, but I, I think about, like, you know, the path that I could have traveled and the embarrassment that could have ensued. 
I feel like maybe I made the right call. I called, the, I called him Dr. Milk. You did call him Dr. Milk. Dr. Uh, Milk. All right. Well, let's start going to the user-submitted questions. Uh, we're going to take the first one and only one from Twitter, which is from at KyleBush51Fan2, who asked, mm -hmm. did you think Perfect Pair, uh, the Bright Mac episode, obviously, uh, would be a favorite episode among fans when you were recording it for season seven? No, I didn't. I didn't know it was going to be as popular as it was. I sort of had an impression about what, uh, like, what the introduction of these characters meant because the producers had had told me a little bit, but honestly, they they'd only had the time to tell me in the fifteen minutes before we started recording, um, like, what the history of these characters was. And so I knew that it was important uh, to the fandom, but I didn't realize just exactly how. Uh, how much it would resonate with everybody. Um, I knew that, you know, we had all done good work in the booth. You know, we'd done good performances and uh, we'd all sort of, <laughs> there had been moments where, where uh, like some of the, uh, some of the other cast, like we'd say a line and the other cast would be like, Oh, um, <laughs> and so it was, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was exciting because I knew that, I knew that it was, uh, important to the fandom but i didn't exactly know how important or how much uh they'd like it i'm i'm guessing they also didn't tell you that for a small part you were voicing a baby well, no i didn't know i didn't know that until uh uh given the script to to read over and then i was just like oh i can do it i can do a younger and, voice like i remember when that baby spoke and spoke in an adult man voice come on it wasn't a full adult man voice like not this Say, I'm not supposed to talk to you. <laughs> are we allowed to awe? Are, are we allowed to awe? You can awe. All right. Uh, let's go to the next question then. Uh, we're going out to a regular of ours, Alex underscore, who starts by asking his signature question. What's mm -hmm. your funniest anecdote? A story you would tell... To a at a at a bar to a group of friends to get a good laugh. Ah, <sighs> funniest anecdote. We all know that side. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think I have funny anecdotes. I think I just try to. Okay, uh, I think I just try to. Uh, we have this phrase in Australia. It's called bullshitting. Um, and that's, and that's where you just kind of roll with whatever. So I don't necessarily have anecdotes that have happened to me, but I'll hear other people talking about, you know, whatever's going on and then try to make funny observations based on whatever we're talking about. So it's a bit of improvisation and it's a bit of, as mentioned, bullshit, um, <laughs> And that tends to be how funny things happen um, if I'm involved. Yeah, funny things don't tend to happen to me or because of me. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure maybe somebody could go like, oh, my, good oh my goodness, it would be so hilarious, like that thing that Bill did, and I might not remember. Um, so... Can, so can we like get your mom's phone number and then ask her? <laughs> oh, absolutely, <God>. absolutely not. <laughs> no. I'm sure. I'm sure she has stories. Um, 
I do recall there have been a couple of times where at uh, at various family gatherings, she'll bring up a story about when I was eight. So, you know, I have no defense because I can't say, <laughs> uh, no, no, that isn't how it happened. Um, <laughs> and those are the worst. But again, those are also the ones that, you know, I think as a, as a, when you become a parent, that is part of the joy of being a parent. You get to have those stories and be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to this one. You're going to lord over them. Yeah, I'm going to hold on to this one forever. <laughs> Wait until they get into politics and you got dirt on them. <laughs> Jeez. You mentioned that you might be thinking about putting me in a home. Well, I have an interesting story to tell you. <laughs> please, please have a seat. I was gonna say my my folks are absolutely the kinds of folks that will hold on to a a particularly funny uh, and or embarrassing story and then uh, and then bring it up and I'll have to just sort of be like but what uh, oh uh, okay that sounds like me maybe okay <laughs> all right uh, Alex's next uh, question is how scared are you for this cast slash interview? Oh, uh, not at all. Oh, good. We've done our I, job well then. I don't. I was going to say, like, uh, yeah, like, you guys have prepped me just fine. You know, you you let me see some of the um, the questions that people were, you know, asking on the on on the web page. And in general, I'm, I'm not too worried uh, when it comes to interviews and things like that. Um, I'm not I'm not worried that I'll be pressured into saying something I don't want to say. Because oh, if, if I don't want to, I'll just be like. We are gonna pass on that one. Um, <laughs> I'm sure this sorry. wasn't your first interview, and it definitely won't be your last. No, exactly. I've I've done interviews before, and um, and so no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Guys, Should I be scared? What guys, did you guys? Did you guys trick me? You guys, you guys, someone's not scared of me. This is a great day. <laughs> oh you know, actually, it's more the opposite. It's more that we're scared of this interview. It's true. Oh, so oh my god. Yeah, I was gonna say, folks, folks, I'm an actor. The only thing I'm scared of is failure. Oh, oh I can relate. I was gonna say, right? Let's let's bring it down. Let's get it nice and depressing. Oh, <laughs> that's my level. I, but don't I say that's, level. that's that's but why we all have just... drinks, right? That's why we've all got yeah. drinks. Yeah. yeah, we drink to forget. Yeah, num 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 num. I'll take a sip of my Aaron and let's move on. Um, <laughs> Tony Montana now has a set of questions. Let's go to number one. Mm. What is your impression of the My Little Pony fandom? We lightly touched on this, but uh, yes. um, if you had any extra thoughts. Um, it's, it's been pretty wonderful. Um, I, I, almost everybody that I've met uh, and dealt with, both uh, you know, fans who've come uh, to meet me or um, you know, volunteer staff who are obviously fans as well, um, it's it's just been the most like welcoming and friendly uh group of people that i've met in a long long time and uh you know some of the people that i've met have sort of given me that uh you know i think i think maybe it's just me but i think we all from time to time get a little bit worried for humanity <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes. yeah. and so sometimes I will meet, uh, uh, people involved in the fandom where I'll just be like, wow, that is a genuinely kind and lovely and generous and, uh, like inclusive person. And that's amazing because it, 
gets a little too easy sometimes to get to get wrapped up in uh, negativity. It sort of goes back to what I was talking to about the online stuff where the online world is a tricky place because people aren't necessarily their full real selves and that can be both good and bad. And so you have to be careful about that. But when you meet somebody and you see what they do, you know, you see the actions that that person undertakes, that gives you a much better impression. And so when I have met fans and seen what they have done, um, the two auctions, the charity auctions at both the conventions I went to, I was just blown away by the generosity and kindness of the people involved, not just for the good causes that they were for, but then between each other. On both occasions that I saw charity auctions, I saw people who saw that somebody desperately wanted something that was in the charity auction, um, but were outbid. I saw people then go and bid until they won it. And then after having paid for it and given the money to the charity auction, gifting it to the person that they saw who actually really wanted it. And it was amazing. I was like, wait, what? This person like went out of their way to pay more to make sure they got it so that they could give it to that other person. And that sort of stuff was just, it just blew me away. And that's the sort of the impression that I have of the of the fandom. That's wonderful. And I'm I'm, so I hope we can keep that impression because there are definitely, at times people would say multiple sides. And you know what? I'm happy that you're able to see the good parts. Oh, sure. And that's the thing. Like I've been in tons of fandoms myself and I've seen the good and the bad. And yes. the thing is, is that I think almost always the, <laughs> unfortunately, like the, 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 the negativity has a louder voice because I was actually saying this to a friend the other day. I think that a lot of people in any kind of fandom or group uh, anywhere, the the people being negative are often very vocal because that sometimes is all they have for various reasons. And the people who are very positive sometimes aren't as vocal because they're very busy and they're very busy doing positive things. Oh, yes. Like, you know, somebody who might spend all their time, you know, volunteering for various uh, causes that they believe in or, you know, working on things that are for, you know, other people. They don't have time to engage in the kind of stuff that you sometimes see in all fandoms that where people go like, you know, oh, that's pretty negative. It's because they don't have time. So many of the people who are positive and positive influences just don't have the time to be as loud and be as visible of course all right well the next question then um as someone who grew up in houston could you pull off an urban texas accent oh Oh, lord um what do you want me to say um howdy and welcome to texas how's that howdy and welcome to texas wow that that was pretty good, actually. I hope it was all right. I, I wouldn't want to come off as too much of a carpetbagger. Bill, oh. can, can, can you tell me to come back with more White Star Sarsaparilla caps? Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, come on back with more White Star Sarsaparilla caps, and I'll have a prize for you. Oh, oh yes. 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 Oh, what was the name of that machine from New Vegas? I, um, I don't remember. Oh, 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 oh. It, it was the, the sunset, sunset sarsaparilla. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, um, what, uh, that was really good. 
It's almost like we have the internet at our fingertips and could look it up in a second. Uh, <laughs> lazy. But I like we all sat there just going, um, um, oh, it's it's sarsaparilla something. <laughs> all right. Uh, the last question from Tony Montana. Oh, uh-huh. it was Festus. The 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 Twitch chat saved us. Festus the the what, sunset sarsaparilla machine. Anyway. Oh, okay. Thank you, uh, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Tony Montana says, uh, do you know what my username refers to? Yeah, of course I do, Scarface. Yeah. I watched it just the other day. Is it really the first time? Oh, no, probably like the 30th time. I used to go and see that. I used to go and see that. um, uh, Not because I'm just like, oh, man, I want to be Tony Montana. Because that is a tragic, tragic role and story and person. Um, but no, just so much about the film is fantastic. Like the cinematography, the costume design, the music, Giorgio Moroder is amazing. Um, and I used to go and see that at, uh, there used to be a little, well, I hope it's still there. I haven't checked, but, um, there used to be a fantastic art house cinema, uh, back in Melbourne called the Asta. And every, at least a couple of times a year, they would play Scarface, uh, often on a double feature, um, and seeing it on the big screen in the theater with, you know, like the fantastic sound and that soundtrack and everything. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. I, I still enjoy it. I have yet to see it. I barely it's... saw The Godfather a few days ago. You okay, wow. You have, a, you have some classics to catch up on. Yeah, I do, actually. You Al, Pacino, Al Pacino ones, apparently, in particular. <laughs> Enigma, and then, I, w- I would... And then watch Scent of a Woman, because if you ever see people doing an Al Pacino impression, they always go, hoo <laughs> Scent of a Woman is where that started, and so you'll see it, and you'll be like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> As you were saying, Pencil? Yeah, Enigma. sorry. Enigma, there are so many things I would call you right now if I was able to I'm just going <laughs> to say that. All right, well, let's move along to the next user, Weezus, God of Ganja. Wonderful name. Uh, what is your favorite experience as a voice uh, celebrity for My Little Pony French? Voice Friday? celebrity? My goodness. Um, come on. I'm a voice person. No. <laughs> a voice person. Um, look around. Look, look let's, around. <laughs> let's just appreciate the humility. You're, I a, think... you're, 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 you are a guinea pig amongst hamsters right now. I'll take it. I'll take it. Are you saying I'm fat? Um, oh my god! I'm... Enigma, you don't just call somebody fat like that. <laughs> um, but cute and adorable, so I win. Um, the most uh, fun experience probably was recording the episode with the Pony of Shadows. Really? What you know, made that fun for you? I love villains. Oh, uh, they are the most fun uh, to me. And so uh, doing that performance was fantastic. Also, it was super fun because they may have broken that record now, but um, the producers mentioned that that episode had more people in the recording booth at one time than they'd ever had before. So it was a full room. We must have had 14 or more people in there at one time. Oh my wow. God. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, speaking of the Pony of Shadows, I've been meaning to ask, uh, wait for a moment to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you do the, the Pony of Shadows voice, do you do Stygian's voice and they edit it in post, or is there a different voice you do for him? Different voice. Oh. 
Yeah, oh. yeah. So Stygian is one voice and Pony of Shadows is a totally different voice. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that's our little behind the scenes a little bit. Um, the we're gonna magic go to... of acting. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be our new, like, <laughs> that's going to be on our Barcast soundboard. Sweet. Yes. <laughs> I get residuals, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. We'll, we'll, we'll give you scotch at the con. We'll give you scotch. That's how it's Sold. Sold. So I got a question. You said you mentioned you love villains, right? Yeah. Since I'm actually pretty sure this question won't come up except for in the chat. Um, um, who is your favorite villain? Ooh. Of all time in all media? Yes. Okay. That is a good question. Uh, it would probably have to be... Oh, it's kind of a tie. It's more, it's more actors that played villains rather than specific villains that they played. In which huh. case, I will say Christopher Lee, Tim Curry, and Alan Rickman. Nice, nice, nice. Like honestly, some of the the villains that they've played uh, over the years have been. I it would be hard to pick between them. I think you just picked all of Pencil's crushes. No, that's <laughs> not. He missed Not Anthony all of Hopkins. them. He missed I was Anthony say, Hopkins. Yeah. There you go. That's true. Not didn't I didn't get all of them. <laughs> and see, that's the thing. Anthony Hopkins, as far as I know, he's most famous for that villain. I don't know if he's played others. Oh, he has. He has. Oh, he's he has. So many villains. But none as iconic, right? No, of course. Hannibal Lecter is easily one of the most iconic villains of all time. So right. So, the th and the thing with uh, Alan Rickman in particular is, uh, you know, for the newer generation. It's mm -hmm. Cerberus Snape. And for me and other uh, older generation folks, it's um, uh, Hans Gruber. Of yes, course. from Die Hard. Yes. yes. We, we are all Die Hard people here. Uh, though I will yeah. say I, I very much enjoy him as the voice of the Metatron in yeah. uh, Dogma. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think I, I just, uh, I loved Alan Rickman um, as, as a performer, like seeing him in so many different roles. Uh, he was fantastic. And Tim Curry and Christopher oh. Lee. Um, and so that's the thing I think is that um, the people that play the villains are themselves often very interesting, but um, it seems like people, like villain roles, they really get to just just dive deep, just both hands completely into the role just as as much as far as you want to take it you can take it there whereas you know leading roles protagonists things like that there's there's a sort of a limit on what you can do before it it throws the the kind of the intention uh out the window and villains i think you've got a lot more room to move uh you can still get the same intention across uh without having to go down a particular path depending on the, the genre you're in or, or the project that you're on uh you can have the villains that uh you know like i very deliberately uh for pony of shadows uh chose a sort of a you know like a, that that mad scientist the the lightning cracking and the just <laughs> kind oh, of yeah. you know 1950s universal horror uh type villain um, but that's because I was getting that feeling from from the character. It you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't quite a Tim Curry type villain, which are often a little more sly and sinister and you know uh, 
slick. Yeah. So that was that's that's why I love villains because you can just there are so many different types of villain archetypes, whereas like hero archetypes, um, while interesting, seem a little more limited to me. To me, anyway. Well, fair enough. Well, uh, now we're going to go to Dustu, who leads off his questions by saying, "I love your work, dude. Legit. Keep Aww. being awesome." Now for some questions. Number I'll one. I'll do my best. Yeah. What did you think of the characters Pear Butter and Bright Mac from the uh, uh, Perfect Pear episode? They were so sweet. Um, I, you could just tell, like I could tell from the uh, from the audition actually, which was only a few lines, um, that uh, that that uh, that Bright Mac had a, a sort of a, a sweet, soft uh, soul to him. Uh, and then when we were doing the episode, it was just yeah, it was just like these these two these two lovely people who, uh, you know, have known each other forever and just seemed like they were always meant to be together, that kind of idea. Um, and they were just so sweet and lovely. It was, um, it was really nice to be able to, to be involved in, in that story. Hey, that, Hey, that baby over there sounds like an adult too. Maybe they're meant for me. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. That ba- yeah, that baby has a strangely mature voice. Oh my <laughs> <laughs> um, number two, do you have any advice you would give to people who are looking on getting into voice acting? Uh, I've yes. been tempted a few times to try my hand at it. I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could drop some sick advice. Some sick advice. Um, take lessons in whatever performative... Uh, art form you can, whether it be dancing. I know that sounds weird, but just just go with me. So whether it be dancing, whether it be acting, theater, film, television, whatever it is, uh, whether it be stand-up comedy, whether it be um, competitive hacky sack, um, whatever it is, the first thing that you'll need to overcome will be uh, confidence doing something in front of other people. Because apart from a very, very few examples, you will be doing voice acting in front of like a minimum of two people and uh, usually, and then a maximum of sometimes like in that room, when we were recording the Pony of Shadows episode, 14 people in the room, I think plus five or six in the control booth. So there's going to be a bunch of people. And then, you know, um, sometimes if you decide to transition from voiceover into other kinds of performance, it'll be in front of tons of people. So you're going to want to be confident performing, uh, however it is, because it's it's difficult to eke out um, a full living, like a career, uh, from working from home. Some people are lucky enough to do it. I do know a couple of people who the majority of what they do in voiceover is things that they record at home in their own space, in their own comfort zone. And that's wonderful, but it's not easy to do. uh, And it takes a lot of time. Um, So getting into performing will increase that confidence. The other part that goes with the increase in confidence is you get to practice your skill. And that is more important, I would say, because it's it's all acting. Voice acting is acting. It's this. It's acting like TV acting is acting. It's acting like theater acting is acting. It's acting like film acting is acting. It's all something that you have to learn to do. There will be people who are naturally talented at performing, but there are just things that, just valuable tools that you can pick up along the way while 
engaging in in those things so i always tell people you know like if you have uh even even in smaller communities there's usually some kind of like community theater program or i know especially in the us it's um because of the way um geographically uh places are laid out there's often a town not too far from your town even if you're in a small town and that right. town might have a community theater group um, so, you know, it might be a hassle, but it's just something that you can do in bigger cities. There will be no end of theater groups that you can get involved in. And all of that will be valuable. Uh, but you have to go into it wanting to still do that. Um, it, I've been in plenty of theater groups and performing groups where it's clear that people join because they want it to be a stepping stone to fame and fortune and whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's not the right way to go about it. It's, it's sort of like somebody who might have very little experience or um, interest in learning to be a musician and then wants to go on American Idol or what have you be like, well, that'll be my ticket. I'll just, I just have to hit it big there and then boom, I'm off to the races. And the thing is, is that with a couple of exceptions, a lot of the people from those avenues don't actually end up going anywhere. Um, and it's because they, they never wanted to do the work that you'll actually find yourself doing the majority of the time. Um, I've found that, uh, while I love animation, um, and doing animated series, currently it's not the bulk of what my career is in terms of, you know, like what, what I make my living doing. Um, a lot of what I do is, um, like, uh, informative e-learning programs and things like that stuff that is far less sexy than than doing uh like a fun cartoon show or something right of course and that's Mm -hmm. that's because in all kinds of creative fields there will be the stuff you want to do and then there will be the stuff that you either have to do or just the stuff that you do like you know i don't feel like the the e-learning stuff and the a lot of the you know the the corporate stuff that I do, I don't dislike it. It's just not as exciting to me as the stuff that I do want to do. So if you can get into doing something related to what you want to do, i.e. if you want to get into voiceover acting and you can get into community theater or you can get into something like that, then that's still great. And it'll tell you if you like to perform. Because if you hate doing community theater, if you hate performing for you know crowds or 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 even a couple of other people it's gonna be really tricky if you get the opportunity to do voiceover um and that's that's really probably the biggest piece of advice i ever got was make sure you are ready so that when the opportunities come along you're ready for them you know because nobody ever wants to hire you on the back of look, just hire me and then I'll, I'll get it once we're going and it'll take me a little while, but then I'll have it. It's like, well, no, in, in that sense, um, a lot of the, the more fun stuff and more interesting stuff in voiceover, Mm -hmm. you need to already kind of be on the level that you need to be. It's true. And it's simply put, it sounds like you're suggesting do it for the love of doing it and do it because you love doing it. And when an opportunity opens up, you know, take it. And That's true. I was going to say you, you could have you could have saved everybody like ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no,
Oh, <laughs> hell, Enigma. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Uh, I was we... going to say, you, we act even in the voiceover booth. We act with our bodies. You should see us. We don't just stand there stock still. So miming, learning how to perform with just your body, that actually is pretty valuable. And I actually believe uh, it was a, a behind the scenes from Pixar, I think it was. They uh -huh. actually like to record what the VAs uh, are doing in uh -huh. the recording. Yeah, they have a camera on they them. They have a camera on them. And then, yeah, they have some inspiration for how – and you can see it. When you see really good animation, you can see the way, like, you know, that somebody moves when they say a line as the animated character. I've now – been able to tell i'm just like oh for sure they were looking at tape of the person doing that because that is so tied up mm -hmm. in the physicality of what they said that that has to be uh, animated from what the person did in the booth yeah like one example is the guy who does the voice of the elusive man from mass effect he doesn't actually smoke but since the elusive man does whenever he does these lines he like puts a pen cap between his mouth uh-huh. <laughs> oh. That's actually pretty I... cool, huh? Well, that's, 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 Ma you? that's Martin Sheen, and he can act. Mm. And so, yeah, but, and so I... he's used to, you know, doing the, the sorts of stuff, you know, like where he would be, uh, you know, he's predominantly a film and television actor. He's done some voiceover, but um, yeah. And you can tell, you can tell when somebody can make that transition because Boy, oh boy. Um, I don't know. Who's, who, who here are fans of uh, Is Solid? Oh, we have a lot I'm of fans out in the chat that are. I was going to um, say, and how, how, did every, all... how did everybody feel about Hollywood actor uh, Kiefer Sutherland coming in and doing David Hayter's uh, job there? Because I haven't met a single person who was like, you know what? It did need that Hollywood sparkle. Um, <laughs> because... <laughs> It's another of those cases, and it happens in animated uh, films and animated TV, where they just go like, we got to get that big name. And that performer is not used to continuing to perform like in an audio-only environment. And that's the thing, is sort of what I was saying before about how mime training actually would be useful for voiceover, is that just because they can't see you it comes out in your voice. If you've ever heard, um, it's, it's, it's very, very um, common now, but when people say like, smile while you read that line, because you can hear somebody smiling as they're talking, even though you can't see them. Right, it and creates it, a naturalness to- It does, and it, it, it comes out in the warmth of the voice, and it oh, comes yeah. out in how their mouth is positioned when they're smiling as opposed to anything else. And so that's true of all physicality. Um, so it's yeah it's it's all part of it and that's things that i think um people who are really interested in um technical difficulties okay. oh it's that okay uh so uh, uh i'm i'm scared what, what happened <laughs> i'm not sure what happened that's okay no, that's fine. okay we're all okay yeah no it's we'll deal with it no worries. Um, um, yeah, so uh, just what I'm saying is, um, yeah, essentially uh, the the voiceover performing is not just, hey, I'm going to sit, I'm going to sit or stand in front of a microphone and perform. I actually sometimes when I do auditions, if I'm just sitting at my desk, if I'm in a, if I'm in a hurry, if I don't have time to set up the booth, I can sometimes when I listen back to it, I can tell when I was just sitting down uh, as opposed to when I'm standing 
Um, mm. Sometimes that's all it is. It's just a different energy level and a different headspace. Sweet. Uh, I really love hearing all the different sort of specifics of the voice actor uh, mm. craft and, and learning about the trade because we have a lot of obviously fan voice actor actresses in the fandom. Um, so uh, I'm sure that will all resonate well off all, all of them. Uh, so. The final question from Dust Chu, uh, Dust Chu is, can you reply to the next question in the voice of Big Mac? And the next question after that Big Mac is... Or Big Mac or Bright Mac? Bright, Bright Mac. Mac. My apologies. Okay. I was going to um, say, I mean, Pete, Pete and you will kick my ass. <laughs> I would believe that. Yeah. He, yeah so I, I, I'd just he be goes like... up in your front door. Yeah, he'd be like, hey, I heard you've been Big Mac in it. <laughs> no, he... No, he'd show up at your door and with a big, with Big Mac, be like surprise, and then lay the big, lay the beat down. He would. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to see that, Peter. I like, I like Happy Peter. You open the door. <laughs> yup. He's got a bat in his hands. I'd be yep. like, hey man, we're still cool, right? Nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <coughs> All right. Uh, the next question. Uh, oh wait, uh, what was the thing? What was the thing that I have to say as as Bright Mac? <laughs> uh, famous last answer. words wants answer. to know the the answer to this question. Mm. Uh, what's your favorite '90s jam, and why should it be something by Blink One Eighty Two? And this is to be answered as Bright Mac. Uh, yeah. Bright Mac. Yes. I'm not that familiar with Blink One Eighty Two. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I like it, I I saw this in the um in the the page that you linked me and oh, I course. realized that the 90s my formative years of listening to music sorry hang on <clears throat> the 90s my my formative years uh, listening to music uh, I didn't really listen to anything contemporary uh, I, I was I was stuck listening to to older stuff like my 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 parents music like I listened to Led Zeppelin I listened to the Rolling Stones the Beatles um I I loved blues and uh and funk and soul uh Ray Charles I I just I didn't listen to a lot of 90s music in fact I kind of hated it um so I, I didn't really have any 90s music special memories uh i have since heard some 90s stuff and and i like it a bit better but mostly as a joke How's i that? think Beautiful. all of us collectively just waved our arms for like a minute <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful also <laughs> If you could, uh, if you have the time and want to, could you also do the thing I just posted right now? Oh, oh God. <laughs> what are you doing this, Why are you doing this, Enigma? Oh, that's, that's actually pretty funny. Well, you know, in hindsight, I think I like my old design better. <laughs> <laughs> that was obviously Fairnix. Oh, that's oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, okay, so before my mic just decided to explode for some reason. <laughs> Welcome back, Rob. Yeah, thank you. Sorry about that, everyone. I am really, really sorry. I don't, don't know worry why. about it. It's okay. It's okay. So I it can edit it. I, I know, I know. But okay, so what, one thing I wanted to say, and it had to add to what Bill was saying about putting yourself out there, getting getting used mm. to stuff. I would highly recommend going to a college, community college or otherwise, and mm. not necessarily getting a, not getting a degree. No, no, no. Take a speech class, not interpersonal yeah. communication. Uh -huh take a speech class because I guarantee you the professor is going to force you yeah. out of your comfort zone. And oh, that yeah. is find a random person on the street, start talking to them, you know, 
it was it was one of the things I had to do for college and I loved it and I am so happy for it. it brought me out of my shell so much more yeah. than I yeah, ever I think I think that that as well as you know getting involved in theater if you can is it's going it's going to show you a very important thing which is that the the terror the abject terror that you will feel uh, almost everybody feels it. I don't know anyone who did, mm. but uh, the abject terror that you will feel when having to perform or leave your comfort zone, like talking to a stranger, um, yes. the abject terror that you're going to feel, and then the sort of the elation and the rush that you will feel afterwards or while it's happening, that will tell you whether you never want to do that again or if you absolutely have to do it again. And mm. for me, it was a case of people often say like, you know, why, why do you do voiceover? Why do you do acting? And I was like, well, I, I can't not do that. It's, it's just this thing. Like I can't not do it. I feel compelled to do it. I do it around the house. Um, I speak in accents and voices and things to no one. Um, it's, it, it just, you know, it, it has to come out of me somehow. I have to do these things. And so the fact that I've been able to make a career out of it is amazing. But um, yeah, what, what Rav was saying was that it, it, once you're pushed out of that comfort zone, you'll know whether you want to keep being challenged that way or, or not. It's not for everybody, but that will be a real kind of crucible moment of just like, is this what you want to keep doing or is it not your jam? Oh, mm. totally. Mm. Um, now the next set of questions come from some site staff that we have on FIMPIC, uh, the community Ooh. website where we pull um, for the questions. Mm. Uh, we're going to Majin Siko, who starts by asking, what do you think the optimal amount of ears to have if you could, have, if you could choose how many ears you have on your face? Mm -hmm. Four. Four. Four ears. Yeah. Why four? Yeah, because, because then I feel like I would not only get stereo, but like I could echolocate things because i had two extra ears like you know when you when you hear something you can be like ah they're sort of in front of me and that's coming from over there and kind of behind me but if i had four i'd be like oh that's coming from under the chair that's coming from the third cabinet on the left you gotta get your 7.1 surround sound it's true but i mean yeah 70 years i feel like would look like a darth maul crown of ears <laughs> you, know, you, also, you also have to think of, you also have to think about the maintenance like how many like, oh, that is how much true. do you spend on cotton swabs that's true i mean you're not supposed to put them in there but it feels so good to put cotton swabs in your ears guys right? oh yeah it's, oh, it's, it's amazing true. like every box says do not put this in your ear i'm just like well what are you for then <laughs> like, I've, I've never seen one of those cotton swabs used for anything but your ears so. Having said that, I have seen them used for makeup. So yeah. you know, oh, as, fellas, as and... fellas, as fellas who don't necessarily wear makeup, that is why, like, I would look at a cotton swab and go, "Well, this is only for this." And the women in my life have said, "Ah, uh, no, it's it's for so many other things." You <laughs> heathen. Yeah. It's true. I can touch for this. Flam, you've seen me put on cosplay before. Cotton yes, swab, valuable. They are. Oh yeah, amazing. exactly. Yeah, I yeah. Just yeah. noticed something also. <laughs> have you guys ever seen a commercial for cotton swabs? Yes. No, because oh, I oh okay, I never have. I was gonna say they sell themselves. They do, true. but I, I saw one and it was like really, really, really uncomfortable because the guy advertising was old and he's like, I can use it to clean my fingernails. And I was like, this is not oh, at all gross. Bill, I feel I feel like that has to be a uh, like a regional commercial. Like that's not a national spot. 
It was you know? in the South. That's a regional commercial where they're just like, I could, I could clean my fingernails. It's just like, yeah, or you could use a, I don't know, a toothpick or a, a nail file <laughs> thingy or anything. Bill, using yes. your best advertisement voice, try to sell us cotton swabs right now. <laughs> All new Q-tips, cotton swabs. You're not supposed to put them in your ears, but you're going to anyway. I love it. That oh, was geez. actually really incredible. Oh. Okay, first of all, Enigma, stop telling him to say things, damn it! I will, no. I will hurt you! I will hurt you! Anyway. There, are, there, are, oh. there are a couple of times uh, where I will submit to being the, the jukebox dancing monkey. And yeah, like interviews about voice acting is occasionally where I'll do it. Um, I usually won't do it. Like if I'm hanging out with people and, uh, you know, somebody mentions that I'm a voice actor and then someone who I don't really know is just like, I'll oh, do some stuff. I'll be like, nah, good. Yeah. <laughs> You're too good for us, Bill. I was going to say, you know, you don't, don't, there's no string on my back that you pull and make things happen. But if in the setting of this, where we're talking about VO, and I'm the guest. I feel like I gotta sing for my supper a little bit. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but your bread. but I, I, I'd still heard Enigma anyway, so this just gives me better reason. To That's fine. Oh, no, 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 I didn't say don't do it. Yay! Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. The uh, next question is, priest? who is the best Spice Girl? Ginger Spice. What? Wonderful. Yeah. Why Ginger? Uh, she was, uh, I don't know. She was like elegant and classy. That was posh spice, wasn't it? Oh, no. Well, the, ginger though. That hair And though. fun, but also fun. Actually, ginger okay. reminded me of, um, uh, like femme fatales and Jessica Rabbit and, oh. and, and things like that. And so I liked the style of, of, uh, of ginger spice. And also like red hair is, is super awesome and unique and different. Oh, Ooh, oh God. Something. Wait a second, is, am I doing that this week? Um, sort of, kind of. Uh, Pencil, now that we've hit halfway through the podcast, can you talk Ooh. about what we, we do, talk about what we do to help uh, uh, horses in need? Okay, let me have a drink of wine. I'll do this. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to sing it this week, but uh, you have the option. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <clears throat> All right, what am I going to do this week? Okay, let's do this. If you like what we do on the podcast, I recommend you give us money. If you, we take your money, we give it to horses at the Red Wings Horse Sanctuary. So please keep in mind that we don't use your money for booze. Instead, we use it for good things like making horses healthy. So now you know where your money goes. It goes to horses, not booze and hoes. Anyway. <laughs> we swear, we swear, Bill, she's not normally horrible. That was, that was actually That's me. That's me clapping. <laughs> See, I'm clapping. <laughs> Thank you for that. There's a link in the chat. There's a link in the chat to our Patreon so you can donate to- You're still uh, rhyming. Music. Thank you for that. There's a link it's in a, the chat. It's, a, it's yeah. amazing, Bill. You're clapping with different accents. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> All right, so this is, this is, my, this is my Southern clap. <laughs> and then and you got the golf clap. Like, and this is, well, this is my British clap. <laughs> and this and this is this is my Aussie clap. Yeah, Mike, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. Now that that is now that that has happened and you guys have a link to Patreon, please feel free to donate to us. Now I'm done now. So there you go. 
The next question is... Go uh, help reading... horses, everybody. Thank Aww. you. Reading your IMDb page, uh, you yes. took a few video game roles before exploding in the TV voice acting in 2017. <laughs> what prompted the transition, or did it feel like a transition for you? Uh, it didn't feel like so much of a transition, and I always find this, uh, this isn't on, uh, like, this isn't a, a slam on anybody who asks uh, the, this sort of question, but um, it's it's often, I think, amusing to, to actors in general uh, who aren't massive stars. And I'm talking like like massive, massive stars. We're talking like household names and, and you know, big Hollywood uh, productions and things like that they can pick whatever the hell they want. Like they, often they want to be in animated uh, movies and, and shows and things because they're like, hey, my kids love this show. I'd love to be in that show. And the producers are like, okay, famous person, you will be great PR. For working actors such as myself and, you know, most of the cast of the, the shows that you know and love, um, we, we take what we can get. Um, so in terms of like the video games into uh, uh, animated stuff, it was mainly that there weren't as many video game jobs that wanted me and there were animated jobs that did. So it wasn't, it wasn't a choice at all. Um, having said that, if I had my choice, uh, I would do animation over video games. But video games are a close second and that's just because video games... It's a little more perfunctory. It's a little more nuts and bolts. You don't, uh, apart from a few examples of like very high end, more, you know, narrative cinematic experiences, you don't get to do as much performing. So there's a lots of the like, you know, like, okay, we're going to need just, we're going to need you to scream 10 or 15 different ways. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> uh huh. And then we're going to need you to do seven different takes of various stages of being on fire electrocuted, <laughs> acid burning your skin, uh, like being stabbed, being st being cut with a, a bladed weapon, uh, you know, being hit with a hammer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so you do tons and tons of that stuff. And some of it's really rough on the voice um, and, and things like that. The other reason is that um, the way that uh, like the union works um, is that uh, in animation, tons of it is, uh, is unionized. And so if you're in the union, you have to work on union projects. You can't do non-union stuff. And a lot of the video game companies, because they're based not necessarily in Canada, uh, they're not all signatories. It's, it's very, it's very boring. And it's very like, you know, sort of behind the scenes, uh, you know, in industry politics, but um, a lot of video game companies um, when hiring talent in certain places like Canada, they're not signatories to the same, uh, union agreements. And so, for example, when I joined the union, there's certain video game projects that I can no longer work on. Oh. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, if you're in a different union like SAG, you can actually work for those video game companies because those video game companies are a signatory with SAG, but not a signatory with other unions. So it's, it's a real tricky thing where you sort of have to like navigate these waters. Um, and so, it didn't really matter to me because um, I hadn't been asked or had auditions for video games for, I think, a year and a half. I think a few, six months after I did the Dragon Age uh, gig or maybe a couple of others uh, was when I had my last video game audition. And then after that, it was like, 
I didn't really hear anything. So, huh? Yeah, when I when I got auditions to do animated stuff and they liked what I did, I was happy to work for them. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, I've done some coaching with him and he's uh, been an inspiration. But Rob Paulson, uh, <gasps> voice of Yakko in Animaniacs and many I know. many others. Oh my God. Yeah, um, so uh, his, his often said line when people say, like, what is your favorite voiceover job? He always says, the next one. Oh. And that's true, because as working actors, like, he's obviously very well-known, very talented, a uh, bit of a legend in the business. He's still a working actor. Like he actually created one of his podcasts because he said that there was a little lull uh, in his career for a while, which up until that point, he'd been extremely lucky. He said himself he'd been extremely lucky and there had been no lull. And then there was a little lull and he sort of was going like, what does this mean? Like I'm an actor and all actors are insecure and we all need validation. So we're all like, does this mean that it's done, they don't want me anymore. So he started looking at things he could do for himself that was still, you know, those sorts of things. So he started his podcast and now it's, now it's super successful. It's on the Nerdist Network, I think. Yeah, that actually sounds right, yeah. Yeah, and he's been doing that for years before I moved to Canada. Like he, he was doing it way, way back. And um, yeah, he gives a really fantastic, honest perspective uh, on a lot of what goes on in the industry. And yeah, some of the lines that he has said, uh, at, he even says, like, look, this sounds real Pollyanna. It sounds real, you know, airy-fairy. It sounds very pie in the sky, but a lot of it's true, which is that, you know, you don't see the same kinds of, like, you know, like backstabby kind of uh, jockeying for jobs in animation voiceover that you do in so many other acting uh, scenes. And the other thing is that, yeah, like, you know, you the, the your favorite job is the next one because... Like we're working actors and we, we need that next one. Of course. Got to so put yeah. some food on the table. Exactly. It's, it's that next one, whatever's coming down the track. Mm. So right. when, when animation started, you know, cozying up to me, I was just like, hey, all right, animation, let's be friends. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the next set of questions comes from Chat Penguin Lips. Uh, the first question is, what did you think when you were first presented with an opportunity for a role on My Little Pony Friendship is Magic? It's a good question. Um, I, I knew of the show. Um, when I was uh, a little kid, uh, I grew up with, I think, Gen 1 and 2 of My Little Pony. Um, very, very different show, obviously. Very, very different. Oh, yeah. Very, very different entity. Almost a completely different thing. Like, similar almost only in name only. Uh, like, right. mm -hmm. so, so that was my impression for years. And I didn't really know about My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Um, and then, uh, as I, when I moved to Canada and, uh, started pursuing voice acting, I found out that it was recorded here and I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. Um, there's a bunch of shows. I started to find out about all the shows that are, that are produced here. And I was like, wow, that is really cool. And then probably I want to say three years after I'd moved here, I probably got my first audition script for My Little Pony. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, that is, that is super cool. I would love to, to be involved in this. I, uh, I hope it goes well. And, you know, they didn't call me back, but that isn't because it wasn't good. It probably wasn't good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I would get occasional scripts, uh, occasional um, audition scripts, uh, and I would 
give them all a shot. And then I think as uh, I would start to get callbacks and things like that. And then I think as the directors and producers started to see me at more callbacks, they started to realize, oh, okay, okay, he doesn't totally suck. We could probably work with this. <laughs> um, and, you know, kidding aside, that kind of is part of it. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, they will start to see that, you know, if you keep showing up and they start to recognize your name because you've shown up on the shortlists a lot, they'll just be like, all right, okay. That, uh, yeah, that is, that is interesting to see that person. I, I think maybe they have what it takes. And so I was super excited every, almost every script that I got, I was just like, oh my goodness, I want to work on animation. This would be so fun. Uh, and then when it would be specifically be My Little Pony, I'd be like, that's a big one. I would love to work on that one because that's just, you know, you want to be able to be given the opportunity to do the best work you can. Oh, and that's the thing. Outside of making your own work that you are yourself super proud of, yeah, it is, it is something then to be invited to work on something about which you feel proud, you know, like you see a project, you, you like a project, it's sort of its values, its direction. And then you go like, I would love to work on that because of that. And then when you're allowed to, it's like, wow, okay, that is, yeah, I'm super excited. So when I got my first couple of callbacks and then when I was booked, I was pretty stoked. I was pretty stoked. Wonderful. And of course, now that company's earmarked you and you've developed a reputation for yourself. I hope so. <laughs> we have. We know you. The fans know you. Oh, yeah. So there you go. There we go. All right. The next question is, is there anything else in the entertainment industry you would like to try or have tried? Writing, singing? Kind of all of it. Um, I haven't tried writing. Um, <laughs> I have a very probably distorted idea that I might be good at writing. I suspect I'm... I'm of I'm of two split I'm of a split mind about it. Two separate minds. One which thinks I could probably write pretty well, and then the other one which is probably the true one, which is like, no, you've never really done this, and you'd probably you know crap out something a little hackneyed and and, and regular. <laughs> and look, I could work to be better at it, but I don't hold any true illusions that I would be just good right out of the gate. So I'd need to work at it. Um, singing, I've had a little experience with, uh, not really anything professionally, um, but I, I love to do it. Um, karaoke, oh, that's what we're doing in Vegas, by the way. I just realized. <gasps> oh, um, yes. So for sure that's happening. Um, nice. And then, uh, so I, I love karaoke, but um, then uh, I actually am, uh, thinking about uh, trying to, at least in Vancouver, um, do more of the, you know, on-screen commercials, TV, film, what have you, whatever's out there. Because at the moment, uh, the focus has been voice acting. And it's not that I want to move away from it. It's just that I figure, well, why don't I just have, why don't I have a go at it all? So many of my contemporaries and friends here in town uh, do all of it. And I thought, well, I want to do all of it, partly because I want to hang out with a lot of my friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like a lot of them are doing, um, I don't know if you know, but um, like uh, Vincent Tong and uh, Shannon Chan Kent um, are in uh, Beauty and the Beast uh, here in Vancouver at the moment, the, the live wow. stage play. Wow. And uh, that, like nice. that sort of stuff, I'd be like, oh, that would be so cool. I would love to do that. And then we could all go, you know, do a Disney stage performance. That would be really yeah. fun. 
That'd be awesome. Let me be a tree. That'd be great. Right. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll do like I'll I'll stand up the back, you know, when Gaston is like, you know, running around being a jerk. I'll just be like, yeah, right on, Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be that fella. Um, so yeah, it's that sort of stuff. Like, really, it 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 honestly is that. Um, and again, it's another thing I've kind of lifted from uh, from Rob Paulson, but. Um, when you get to go to work and hang out with people that you really dig and it's really fun hanging around them um it's so wonderful so often when i get booked for a new show or start recording a new show uh one of the like happiest moments uh that i've had have been like walking into the building for the first session you know we haven't recorded anything we've all been cast but we don't know who else has been cast and then you see some of the people you recognize and your friends and you're just like oh you're in this oh that's great this is going to be so much fun <laughs> and that's, that's yeah that's that's what i would like to do on a bigger scale i would love to you know like walk into a tv show or a movie or a stage production or something like that and just be like you know oh no way you oh that's great and that actually really ties in well to the next question, uh -huh. which is what uh, voice actor, actresses, or other staff did you enjoy being around the most while recording your roles? Or oh, just so one that stood out to you? Not really one, but, like, uh, all of them have been amazing, uh, really. Like, so welcoming. Like, uh, um, uh, Nicole Oliver has a, a reputation about being, like, you know, sort of, like, the mum of the... Uh, of the, the the voiceover booth because Aww. if anybody is feeling under the weather nicole's got like you know like uh like peppermint essential oils and things like that she's got all Aww. sorts of stuff it's just like you're feeling under the weather like you know here drink this you know have that just uh, looking after I was, everybody i was so sure you're gonna say she's got juice boxes for everyone just in case i would not be surprised <laughs> if somebody said like i'm feeling a little dry but i don't have any water some juice you know <laughs> um, and uh and like you know when i got to uh go to uh, ciderfest with both nicole uh, and tabitha um just such wonderful warm welcoming people um yeah there's there's no one who really stood out um i guess i only worked i think one or two episodes um with with peter new but he has been uh i guess i do want to single people out but i was going to say peter new has probably been uh one of the most welcoming and and guiding uh new friends that i've made um i sort of called uh shouted him out on on twitter a little while ago um in the new year because i was just like you know i had no idea really about the fandom about conventions about so much to do with that side of the business you know like i've been doing the performing side for a while so most of that i kind of get you know, the politics at least involved in that, you know, like navigating your way through being an actor. Um, but working for a convention or, uh, you know, uh, uh, doing like live streams and things like that or, or whatever it was for the fandom, I had no real sense of it. And he was a fantastic person who's had a lot of experience there and was happy to to hang out and chat and just answer any questions i had and so working with peter both you know professionally but also as a friend uh has been wonderful but i i really have and again it's a rob paulson thing it sounds like there's like ah oh, there's no there's no crappy people there's no shitty people there really hasn't been i haven't met anyone who i wasn't <laughs> just like i didn't walk away from an encounter or a, I haven't yet walked away from a, uh, like a recording session or an encounter and not gone, this is so, I'm so glad that I'm doing this. Like it, it feels 
wonderful. And every time I get to work, it reminds me like how lucky I am to do that with these sorts of people. Totally. And I'm, I'm really happy you specified Peter New because we've, we've chatted a lot with Peter New on uh, Twitter, just uh -huh. sending messages on him. Oh my goodness. It was wonderful. Uh, Not fishing a, at all. <laughs> Oh, no. No, no, I was no, going to no, say, no. Peter, yeah, Peter will, yeah, yeah, Peter will back and forth with you on Twitter all day long. All right. Uh, let's go to next questions. Mm -hmm. uh, Lisey Claire is now the next set of questions. Um, the next question, this question is probably a little difficult to tiptoe around, but uh, okay. their question is, is there anything non-confidential that you could share about the uh, Hasbro roles or upcoming roles that you may have? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's an answer. Well, I was going to say, like, I can't uh, see. The thing is, is that it's a classic, like, uh, you know, I'm sure all of you have seen spy movies and, and TV shows and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's basically, if I did know anything, I can't say it. And if I don't know anything, I also can't say that. So I can't Good answer point. it. <laughs> and take from that what you will. I'm not going to confirm or deny. Like, you know, if you go like, ah, your, your reticence to answer is, is an answer in itself. I guess so. I can't really, <laughs> I can't really say one way or the other about anything. Um, All right. It, yeah. As unfortunately, when it comes to that sort of stuff, um, like I don't, honestly, I don't usually know much about it unless I'm involved in it. And if I'm involved in it, I can't talk about it. So totally fair. It's one of those, like, honestly, I don't, I don't get any information outside of when the company talks directly to me as in, and by the company, I mean, you know, like the production company that actually makes the show, not Hasbro themselves. I don't think I've ever actually directly talked to anybody from Hasbro. I might be wrong. But I think it's all, you know, through channels. And so I don't know anything that's going on. And when I do, it's very hush hush. All right, fair enough. Then So I apologize this? for the non answer. No, it's I hope, an answer. No, by all means. I hope we I hope we danced around it enough that it was entertaining. <laughs> Oh, it was no, a nice little course. jig. It was a nice um, little jig. And how about for the viewers, and yeah. uh, as a way to make it up to them, what sort of <laughs> microphone do you use oh. in the recording booth? Well, my microphone, I actually have a number of microphones. Um, let's see. My main microphone, we're going to kill them, aren't we? Yes. No. No, it's perfect. Um, we've, hit, we've hit 42 before. We've got great livers. Let's do this. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, without, without trying to hit it, I'll just, I'll just talk like I normally would. Uh, so my, my, my microphone that I use that I'm speaking to you now on, um, is the Shaw SM7B. Um, it's very, very nice for close speaking. Um, it's very, very hard with the particular screen I have on it, which hang on, I'll just take off. So that's with the screen off, which if I speak directly into it, it, it can pop a little, but yeah, then I've got that box. big, you've, you've probably seen it on uh, podcasts. It's the big fuzzy one. That looks like you're sort of eating a, a foam can of drink. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You all know that one. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my that. microphone that I use when I'm at the desk, when I'm recording for auditions, typically um, it's not considered like, it's not a, a considered a standard, uh, at least animation microphone, um, but it's the Sennheiser. Um, I think it's the MHK 512. Oh, that's a nice one. It's a very, very nice one. And they typically use it for commercials because what it does is uh, it's a bit, you know, nerdy uh, industry microphone talk. It, um, it, uh, it, it cuts through really, really well 
the Sennheiser. So it's really, really good for putting over the top of music and other things. Like it, oh. it has a crispness and a sharpness to it. Um, the reason I like to use it for um, sometimes narration, but also um, for auditions is that uh, it, it has a good presence, I feel. It, um, it sort of stands out. Um, it's the microphone I used to record my professional demos on when I went down to LA to do that. And it, uh, it's a really good microphone. Um, typically for actually recording in the booth, the microphone that they use is, um, uh, Neumann, uh, U87, Ooh. which I don't know if anybody wants to Google how much that thing costs. Too, too much for the layperson. Yeah, I do. Uh, even for the professional person, I've realized that without like the top notchiest of top notch booths, there's no point in getting it because all anyone will hear is how not top notch my booth is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how it goes is that like, you know, there will be uh, uh, diminishing returns on the quality of the microphone that you can get because past a certain point, all it will do is highlight um, you know, that you don't have the greatest setup for the room or the booth or whatever it is. Um, oh, yeah. the reason the Neumann is so fantastic is because it is very, very, uh, good at, at, uh, being, uh, transparent. It will give you the voice that you gave. Like the Shure SM7B has a little roundness to it that I like. Uh -huh. Um, and the, uh, the, the Sennheiser also, depending on how you work the mic um, will have a, a bit of a, a kind of an extra presence to it. But uh, the Neumann will kind of just give you what you gave. And for animation especially, that's super important. Of course. My, super, my musician side right now is so happy just listening to you talk about microphones. <laughs> oh, I love talking about microphones. I have like four. Um, <laughs> and it's actually very common amongst VO people that um, you, if you let yourself, it becomes like uh, musicians with guitars and things like oh. that. It's just like, oh, I have 20 because they all do a different thing. Yep. I feel you. I have five different drum sets. So there you go. I, yeah. You're just like, that. well, depending on what I'm playing and what style, you know, I got to have the different kit. It's true. Yeah. So uh, let's go to RB-47. Uh, hold on. Hold on. An... Oh, a little bit. What are Anyway, um, really quick. Uh, Priest and everyone, um, just letting the chat know, um, because we're running low on time, we're going to try to do one question per person from now on in your list. Uh, uh, my apologies. I'm not going to be fielding any more questions from the chat. We're just going to do our best to get to as many people as we possibly can in the time allowed. So thank you for your patience. And if you're not patient, mm -hmm. you, you, you know exactly how I feel about it. <laughs> um, there was a question way, way back um, that oh. I think that Milk posted for um, a random yes. question for me. Yes, this is from Dr. Disco, who is a mm -hmm. uh, collaboration artist in the fandom. Um, yeah. It's always talked about on the internet how there's high competition in the entertainment industry. How did you react landing your first major gig and how was the competition for that role? Right. So the reason that I, I did want to circle back around to that one is that it's a very good question and it's important uh, for people to to hear at least my perspective on, on the answer, which is, yes, in a sense, there is a lot of competition. But the thing is, is that the amount of people that try to do a thing or want to do a thing and the amount of people that can do that thing are two very different things. So it sounds like I'm kind of tooting my own horn, but the thing is, is that the the competition really starts to really starts to dwindle down to 
uh, not only the people who are good at what they do, but the people who are tenacious enough and committed enough and crazy enough to keep doing it. That is probably one of the biggest things. I've had friends who kind of started to, to dip their toes in the water of doing voiceover work and acting uh, around the same time I did. And they've since gone on and done other things. They didn't want to or, or didn't like it or whatever it was. It's really about sticking with it. It's sort of the reason why, you know, there must be hundreds of thousands or maybe not like tens of thousands of people who every year or two move to Los Angeles to be an actor. Right. But there can only be so many people acting in whatever is out there. And the reason is, is that, you know, you can want it all you want, but you have to put the time and the effort in. And that's, that's going to be the biggest hurdle. Um, because, you know, outside of, uh, you know, like, major uh, sort of struggles, like not being able to actually move to uh, a hub where you can get a little more uh, notoriety and, and presence and things like that. Um, say there's nothing technically standing in your way. Uh, you could move to that city. You could put your name forward like anybody else. It's going to be how many times you can get punched in the face um, with rejection and still bounce back and still want to do it. Um, I think the reason that I've been given the opportunities I have is because I kept going like just to really boil it down very, very simply. And it doesn't give the story that I could tell, which is that I moved from Australia to Canada to do voiceover work because there isn't much of an industry in Australia. And I did that five years ago. Mm. And I only just in 2017 was able to be a full-time voice actor as in, I didn't need to have, a full-time day job, as well as try to fit auditions and uh, performances and, and gigs between that. And so that took four years and change. Right. And so, and I don't think, and I, I already had a, uh, like a bit of experience when I moved here, but nobody knew me and I needed to get demos. I needed to, you know, basically start from scratch again. Right. And that's how long it can take. And for some people, that's too long. Um, and that's part of it is that there is technically a lot of competition, but competition is only the people who I guess are competing on your level, you know, like there's not a lot of competition for Olympians. I'm not oh, saying yeah. I'm, Olymp I'm not saying I'm an Olympian, but I'm right. saying, you know, there are only a certain number of people who perform and compete at an Olympic level. And that's because every single one of them you've all heard the story whenever they interview them they're just like okay since i was 12 i have trained like six days a week and you know now i'm you know 20 and i'm at the top of my game and they might still not even win oh yeah but they, but they got there and that's the thing it's really about like the commitment and the drive to do it um so yes there's a lot of competition and I think competition is only healthy because the people who then you will, you know, like be working with have all gone through that kind of thing as well. You're all performing at the top of your game because you made it. Wonderful. That, that's really wonderfully said. And I think that's going to be really great for those of you, uh, those out listening in the respective fields who are trying to drive and become the best they can be. Yeah. It's just like, like you've got to commit to it all the way because 
Uh, I remember a family friend of ours sort of telling me about, you know, when I wanted to do acting, they were just like, look, if you, if you treat it like a hobby, if it's a, you know, when I can, or, you know, if I feel like it, or, you know, maybe on the weekend or whatever, it'll only ever be a hobby. It'll never be the thing that you do because, you know, you just, you have to commit the time to it. There's no shortcut, unfortunately. I mean, you know, you hear stories about there being shortcuts to, to entertainment and that's usually because, you know, there's one in a million is that story, which is why it's a cool story. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would never, <laughs> I would never want to gamble my career on like the equivalent of a lottery ticket. Agreed. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Without it. Yeah. You, you just, you got to commit. And, and this is the sad truth that then doesn't always necessarily follow, follow on in the conversation. That's still not a guarantee. Oh, yeah. oh, and it's yeah. why it's why sort of going back to what we talked about before you have to love what what you do if you don't love what you do if you're sort of doing it as a means to an end then if you don't succeed the way that you had envisioned that's you'll be miserable it's true you know it's yeah. like if you love what you do you can at least say I'm doing what I love to do. Maybe I didn't reach the, the loftiest heights that I had seen for myself or wished or hoped, but I'm still doing what I want to do. Like the fact that I have been full-time voiceover for a year blows my mind. If you'd said that three years ago when I first moved here, I'd be like, come on. Oh yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's that sort of thing. It's, it's important to, it's important to take the wins. You know, like to, because you can get too caught up in going like, okay, well, I auditioned for that and I didn't get it. And I auditioned for that and I didn't get it. I mean, realistically, you cannot do all the things you audition for. Oh, yeah. There's not enough time. That's <laughs> why, like, uh, some writers, um, I know a few of us here are, are published authors. Like, when mm -hmm. we submit things out to uh, literary magazines and we get our uh, rejection letter. Sometimes oh, we'll, yeah. we'll do like night bonfires and be like, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I love it. we I, at least tried and we're doing totally. it. We can keep going on. Oh yeah. yeah. Like there's some fantastic stories like James Patterson. Do you folks read James Patterson at all? I am aware of James Patterson. I'm aware of James Patterson. Yeah. Okay. He's a, he's a fantastic writer and um, he uh, is currently doing, I think, you know, those master series uh, things you can do online. Yes. Um, yes, know, I do. Like there's, there's like acting with Helen Mirren, I think, and there's yeah. um, uh, cooking with other people. But um, there's one with James Patterson for writing. And um, he talks about like, you know, his first book was rejected 31 times. And it's like, yeah, you know, and but he's James Patterson. Now he's one of the most successful crime writers um, in the world. And, uh, you know, it's I love hearing those stories um, about people who just stuck with it, like Nathan Fillion, who I'm sure you all know. Oh, yes. Yes. One of my favorite Hollywood type stories is Nathan Fillion talking about how he was an actor here in Canada, in Edmonton, and he was doing, you know, TV and film and things like that. And then he got to be in a Steven Spielberg movie, a little film you might have heard of, Saving Private Ryan. He oh, yeah. was the first Ryan, spoilers, for, for Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> He's the first Ryan that they find who is not the Ryan they're looking for. Who gets all teary because he thinks that they're talking about his brothers. Oh, right. That's it's a small scene. It's a small scene, but that is him. And he gives a, a fantastic performance. And it's like, I remember it. I've got it like in my memory. And he talked about at the time he was like i was just in a steven spielberg oscar winning film i have got it made 
He didn't huh. work. He didn't work again. I think for at least a year. It might have been more. Oh, and, and it was like you know he 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 didn't know what was wrong, and he just kept going. He kept slogging at it, and then he eventually, I believe that this is the timeline. He then got uh, an audition for a little show called Firefly. Oh yeah, and yeah. then he was made. And so it's like. That's what it takes. You know, you think like, boom, I'm in a Steven Spielberg, Oscar winning, Tom Hanks movie. Everybody in there has got to be made of gold, right? And some of the people in that movie did go on to be very famous. Um, Matt Damon, for one. Oh, who's, yeah. Who's barely in the movie. It's true. And so, yeah, that's one of those stories where you're just like, yeah, it's really nice to hear, you know, some grain of salt, you know, real stories about, yeah, it's, it's a struggle a lot of the time. But right, you, stick, there, you stick with it. There are, many, there are many Ryans, but this one is mine. Anyway. <laughs> Let's grab a anyway. few of the user-submitted questions. Uh, let's see. RB-47 asks, pineapples on pizza, bad idea or worst idea? Oh, I saw this question, and um, I kind of like pineapple on pizza. <gasps> yes. But listen, 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 like I come from Australia and we grow them in Queensland. So I feel like it's something that I kind of grew up with where even though it is called a Hawaiian pizza, it's like, well, you know, we have you ever had an Aussie pizza? You guys put shrimp on pizza and kangaroo meat. That's true. I was going to say, but have you ever had an Aussie pizza? Because an Aussie style pizza is uh, shredded ham uh, with an egg cracked on it. I have had I egg pizzas before. They're great. Yeah. It's nice. It's really nice. It's basically like bacon and eggs in a pizza. Oh, nice. Hey, sign me right? up. I'm good. <laughs> exactly. So, and I mean, look, you know, you're also talking to somebody who grew up on Vegemite. So maybe my culinary tastes aren't uh, universally accepted but you know one day people will one day people will know they'll know i'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think that the vegemite is warping all your taste buds it might have it might have ruined it from like you know childhood i might have just been like oh num 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 this is delicious and it slowly alters the dna <laughs> that explains so much it really anyway. does it really does all right the next question comes from a non-pencil herself oh shit. what's uh, why is scotch the best drink and what scotch is best scotch? Ooh, scotch is the best drink because it is, it can be both a, I think, a, like a celebratory and a social drink, but it can also be like a quiet, self-reflective drink. Mm. Um, I don't think brandy is a celebratory drink. Um, I think brandy is always a sort of a, like a, a, a more somber kind of quiet type thing. But I think scotch can be like a, Hey, let's have some scotch. Like everybody have some scotch. We can all, you know, talk and, you know, get raucous and rowdy. Uh, or you can sit by lovely open fire and you can drink your scotch and just think about things. And best scotch, if I have the money, is Lagavulin. Oh, oh. good. I don't have to fight you. If you took right. Johnny Walker Black, <laughs> I'd have to fight you. That's not so scotch. We're good. That's, that's we're good. Yes! Thank <laughs> you! I'm happy. Okay, you're, you're a friend in our book. If, if, any, if you need people to go to war for you, hit us up. We're good. Listen, you can have pineapples on pizza. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was going to say, I'll walk, I'll walk that one back just one step, which is to say that, uh, look, in a, in a cocktail or a, like a, a mixed drink, like a ginger ale and, and scotch, I'll take Johnny Walker Black. But if you give me Johnny Walker Red, 
I will, <gasps> I will punch you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you're gonna do that, put doers or tell them we're doing that. Just saying, but anything, um, I, honest, honestly, practically almost anything. Because you Johnny are Walker good Red, I can taste. I know when it's Johnny Walker Red. It's like that person who can taste like a vintage wine and go like, mm, mm, it's. I can taste when you put Johnny Walker Red in my drink, and oh. it's ruined. It is. <laughs> it's so true. Okay. All right. I feel uh, Go on. <laughs> Pencil, I hope you're ready because now it's time. Oh, uh -oh. I'll be quick. Okay. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> it's time for questions with Byline. Do number two. Yes. Yes, we're doing uh, number two. Trust me. The Byline <laughs> question for this week is a blushing girl approaches you and breathily recites your full name. Uh -huh. She says that she's your number one fan. And oh. wants to have a staring contest with you while you tell her how pretty she is in your various favorite voices. If you don't have time, your calling card would be really great too, she says. Will you entertain her or will you give her your number? It's important. Uh, and entertain her? Ooh. Because I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> she already has your name. She doesn't need your address as well. I was going to say, like, yeah. I... Uh, I, yeah, I will, what I will do is I will, I will quickly fall back on what I know, which is being a clownish jackass. <laughs> and girls find that charming as hell. So. Sure. And, and that's fine. Cause I can do that. Um, but like being super suave and being like, well, here's my calling card. Uh, that, no, that's not going to work. I'll just be like, oh, wait a second. I think I have one here. <laughs> oh no, I left, I, left them, I left them at home. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh yeah so i'll <laughs> i will be uh a performative dork yeah yeah uh the next question comes from someone who is also uh in i believe vancouver is in the canadia so we've got it is it is yes, it, it is. is in it is in the canadia this is so, an important question too the important question that we have regular fights about here on the oh, podcast oh, oh, is oh. would you rather purchase milk in a carton or in a bag <sighs> well, uh, I've only ever purchased milk in a bag one time, and that was when I would, uh, was studying in Ontario because they don't really do bag milk in Vancouver. Oh, good. Oh, and I mean, I, my preference would be the, the, the uh, okay, in terms of like cleanup and then prep for recycling, bag all the way. But in terms of like fitting in my fridge, and I know they have the thing that you put the bag in that sort of like makes it carton shaped, but... It doesn't matter, but... But I was going to say, like, I prefer the carton just for, I don't know, maybe I was going to say nostalgia, but that's more milk bottles. Um, I think I prefer the carton just for, like, ease of use and and familiarity. No, you like, you like cartons because you're not a trash person. <laughs> <laughs> milk in bags. Yeah, I thought, I thought I, when I first heard that, I thought it was like a, like a gag. No, not, no. Not it was a real thing. And I was like, whoa, 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 bag? Now, if only the Vancouver hockey team could get their act together. Anyway, next. Uh, that's fine. I don't we, we don't have to. We don't have to glass all of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now we're going to go to a question from Rob Cakeran fifty three, which our fandom knows very well. Is that the guy well. who wrote my my little dashy? That's that. the guy who wrote my little dashy. This. The, it, it makes this. You mean the guy out. who wrote my little dashy? <gasps> that's a ringtone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was just, I was just, I was just joining. In. No, you did great. You did great. Uh, 
going to his second question, and obviously this is a personal question. You don't have to fully go into oh it. Goodness. Do you oh happen to share something personal, like a loss or gain, like the Apple family roles that you did within the show uh, that made you or even your own family stronger? Um, this episode, The Perfect Pair, uh, mm-hmm. resonates with those feelings, and were you able to draw from them when playing Bright Mac? Um... Yes and no. Um, like, you know, like anybody, I've, you know, I've had family loss over the years. And um, I think one of the ones that uh, that hit me uh, really hard, and it sort of plays into that, like, you know, older generation being lost was uh, when my uh, maternal grandmother passed away, because we had always, like, visited her, and I had always heard stories about like when she was younger and raised uh, my mum and all her siblings by herself and just those sorts of stories about what almost seemed like a fairy tale. And so I sort of got that impression from that episode of the show as well that, you know, they really hadn't experienced much time with the parents and so had mostly, and they even do it in that episode where they're just like, you know, oh, let me tell you about your parents. And it's like, that's how you hear the stories. Now, I did get to know her, but I never had felt like while she was alive, I never felt comfortable sort of going like, so tell me all about, you know, when you were young and, and when you were raising, you know, my mom and, and uncles and aunts. And um, so that, that sort of uh, like, you know, yeah, the, the, the familial, I guess, uh, what would you call it? It's sort of like a story or a legend, you know, that you hear and it it's kind of divorced from, the person that you either know or or knew it takes on this this sort of fairy tale like quality that's uh that's sort of strange and a bit distant and um i remember feeling that a bit from the episode that it was sort of you know these people experiencing people who they didn't have a chance to be as close to as they might have wanted um and just kind of hearing that from other people and having to kind of deal with that and uh and experience it and so playing one of the characters that was the subject of that it was um it was kind of it felt uh, a little bit extra special just Aww. just yeah knowing that uh that you know i was uh i was the subject of this you know kind of flowery legend that they were hearing about oh that's wonderful yeah uh, all right Bill. Speaking of yeah. uh, Bright Mac, could you do one more line for me in his No! Voice? Oh my god. <laughs> no! <laughs> Try, I, I, I trust you guys will love it. You guys will love it. Here, okay, here all right, let's see. <laughs> Dear Princess Celestia, I didn't learn anything. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> okay, Enigma, you get a pass for that one. Yeah, that you get a pass, good. Enigma. You're good. And you're, and you're out of jukebox coins right now. <laughs> yeah, now you're out of the points. All right. Uh, now the question is going to go to Killscreen, who is the High Roller PonyCon events director. Uh, he oh, says hey, that hey. we're excited to have you in June. And here's yeah. a really pointless and stupid question. Go have you it. seen the number one Ugandan action movie of all time, oh, Who Killed no. Captain Alex? <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 no. We're keeping, like, we're keeping this as meme-free as we can. Well, that answer's freaking that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, well, I was going to say earlier, like, when I, I said, like, I've just recently become too old for memes. Uh, truly, like, in the last, I think, two years is when I, <laughs> when I realized, oh, like, the memes that I knew, like, when I was younger, 
you know, when like memes were becoming memes. Was it Badger, Badger, Badger? Stuff like that. Like, and, and okay. uh, you know, when, the first, when the first sorts of, um, you know, like uh, that, that white text on an image type thing oh, with, yeah. with, <laughs> with memes, I was just like, okay, I think I get like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then just recently, there have just been a number of memes where I'm like, you know what, guys, I think I'm out. I think I'm out. <laughs> I feel like, that. Just, just knowing how much deep dive research I might have to do just to sort of go, <laughs> I get it. Um, I wasn't sure that I had the time. No, I totally understand. Um, but no, I have not seen that movie. Uh, and you leave Knuckles out of this, everybody. Oh, <laughs> oh he doesn't know the way. He doesn't know about no, the way. No, no we are okay. not going oh. down. We are not going down this way. No, no. Oh, too many, God. too many like video games that I have played have started doing that in like their open region chat, and I'm just like, okay, I'm turning this off for a few no. weeks until until this dies down. All right. It's, uh, we it's, well, yeah, it's going to get, like, people are going to get on the game. Uh, I think it's mere days away before some of the, the devs just put, like, chat ban blocks on various phrases. <laughs> just going to turn into, turn into spam. All right. We got 12 more minutes, so I'm going to try and speed through some of these here. Uh, Lieutenant Major Dude has the next question. And he specially mm -hmm. asked, uh, he's asking if you can do a quote in Fairnix voice, since he noticed that you mentioned Metal Gear Solid earlier. Oh, sure. Um, oh. It is this adapted scene from Metal Gear Solid. Okay. Uh, let me just read it. Just, you know, just... <clears throat> oh, yeah, just no, of course. Into, got just getting, into, getting into character there. Okay. <laughs> You're fine. You got all of Chrysalis's dominant genes. I got all the flawed, recessive genes. Everything was done so that you would be the greatest of her children. The only reason I exist is so they could create you. Brilliant. Oh, I got chills. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, all right. Broadcast question next. Mm. Yep, we have a question now from Ravage. Um, if there was one game that existed that you'd play to the exclusion of all others, what would it be? How would it play? What would it be about? And why is it Warframe? It is not. <laughs> um, yeah, at the moment it is Warframe. Um, <laughs> uh, but before the, before the Warframe reveal, I was thinking, wait, are you asking me to fully design a game? I, <laughs> I can't do that. Um, I was actually going to do something oh, like man, that, but I figured Rab it was kind of a dick no. move. <laughs> I have time for that. I was going to say, that is not my wheelhouse. It used to be when I was, like, you know, thinking about uh, video games and wanting to, like, you know, potentially write for them. But, uh, yeah, I, I, oh, I have no idea. But at the moment, it is Warframe. Um, I... I'm very, uh, I, I bounce from game to game. So there's lots of games that I play. Like, you know, a couple of conventions ago, I was like, I'm all about World of Warships. Yeah. And then I got bored with it. And now I'm playing Warframe and I'm like, woo, Warframe. Um, yeah. Uh, I like, I don't know. I like things. The one downside I have to say about uh, playing Warframe is that it's not, uh, not enough narrative for me. I love yeah. narrative. So Anything RPG, anything with a deep, deep story, um, mm. yeah, sign me up. I, I feel the need to ask this now because it is radiating uh -huh. within my soul. Have you okay. managed to touch Undertale? No. Oh, honey. Um, 
Definitely consider it. Look it okay. up. My favorite okay. game of all time, and it has a lot yeah. of narrative for you. You're gonna all have right. a bad time. Uh, it's gonna be great. One game that had excellent narrative was just Knights of the Old Republic too. Yes, it did. That game. Mm-hmm. I like the Kotors. Oh, mm. yes. Mass well, I mean, if, fight, obviously if you mentioned. If you're yeah. a Fallout person too, then I'm sure New Vegas mm-hmm. fits pretty high on that list, right? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Iori has a question here, but it is very similar to the making connections, how to make it in voice acting. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we'll take a step away from that. Uh, Dr. Disco now has another question. Uh, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Uh, listen, uh, it's vanilla, but but go with me. Because uh, <laughs> vanilla, I find, is it's a great equalizer amongst ice creams because... Vanilla can be done very badly or extremely well. And if you do vanilla well, I will trust a lot of the other ice creams that you make. It's Mm. kind of, you know what it is? It's kind of like the Manhattan cocktail, which is Mm. that the Manhattan cocktail used to be one of the ones that if you were trying to be a bartender, they would test you on that cocktail. They'd be like, if you can make this one, you can play around with whatever other style of cocktail you want to bring to it or invent or, you know, do whatever. We'll talk about that later. But if you can do this classic that well, then you're on, then you're in. You know, for some reason, I thought the Australian answer was going to be tarantula. We don't have, oh, no. we don't have any tarantulas. They don't have tarantulas, tarantulas there. I was going to say, but if you want a huntsman spider or a redback, num, num, num. <laughs> Actually, there is a, there's a brand of beer called uh, redback. Ooh. But just just gonna say, dear Princess Celestia, today I learned that Bill Newton's vanilla. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is he? Oh, Ooh. now you're in the barcast oh. spirit. I was gonna say, see, he likes he likes vanilla ice cream, but maybe that's the only vanilla thing he likes. Oh snap! I'm so happy that that was said. Anyway. Woo! RK Striker JK5 now has a question. Um, are there any roles that can damage your voice? Uh, yes, but I tend to not have ever um, auditioned for those. Um, that's actually uh, a good question because it leads to another important thing that people need to know. Uh, because a friend of mine actually asked me very recently, uh, they were just like, you know, hey, so when doing like, you know, growly, gruff voices and things like that, uh, like the pharynx voice or other voices, um, is there anything you need to do to stop your voice from being damaged? And is it just training? Um, is it like placement of the voice and things like that? And it's it's sort of a combination of everything. But the main thing that I've always ever told anyone is if you are experimenting with a voice and it hurts, stop doing it. Don't don't do that voice because you if especially for an audition, if you're given an audition and you do a voice and it's kind of rough, but you can get through the few lines from the audition script, but then they book you for that voice, you are going to need to do a lot more than a couple of lines. <laughs> and they might need to get you to yell even louder. And it might need to be even more. And that's the thing. You'll have nowhere to go. And you'll just risk damaging your voice. It's one of the big reasons that there was a strike not long ago in the voiceover industry down in the States um, against the video game industry, because there is so much required physically from the voices that you do in video games um, with very little attention paid or care paid to just how damaging that can be to an actor's voice. Um, It's a little bit like if you're a professional athlete. if you're asked to 
put your body on the line to such an extent where you could ruin it, there needs to be things in place like adequate compensation and, you know, various healthcare, uh, right. you know, options and things like that. And that's sort of the thing that they were talking about when that happened. Um, but in general, I try not to ever do voices that will damage my voice because I know that I can't consistently keep doing that voice. Right. If I can't do a voice for two hours, um, then that's, there's no point in trying to audition that voice, no matter how cool it might sound. It, it's not something that's viable. Um, I'll wreck my voice before the session's over. And then <laughs> that's, yeah, they might not ever ask me back. They'll be like, who is this asshole who came yeah. <laughs> and like wrecked his voice in front of us. And now we can't use any of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a voice so it's, up in there. Right. So it's like, yeah, it, there are voices absolute that can damage my, but I do my best to know. That's another thing about like voice training or just, you know, practice and experience is, you know, when you're doing something that's just a little too much. And as much as you want to push it and go like, yes, I want to give 110%. There's going to be a point at which it's like, it's not worth it. You'll, you'll hurt yourself. And, um, potentially, you know, there might be a totally uh, different project two days later they don't care that you did a great job on that job you just did. They needed you for today. It's true. So yeah, you got to be careful. You got to protect your voice. It's, it's, it's the thing. It's the thing that you are working with. Well, I think we're only going to have time for about one more question. Oh my um, goodness. So. Um, yeah. Oh, oh. Um, maybe like so, two or two, maybe two, maybe, maybe. <laughs> the next uh, message comes from Mike Knight himself, who's sitting Yay! here. Um, and he wants to know, what mm -hmm. can you tease us about your appearance at High Roller PonyCon? What are some of the cool things we can look forward to seeing you doing? Panels, appearances, uh, autographs. What sort of cool things are you going to be doing on HRPC? All of those things. Um, I will hopefully, um, before, uh, before we, uh, you know, like actually have the thing happening, um, I would like to potentially organize some kind of karaoke-based fun event which i think we will do it cool. yes invite us yes. we will I do think, it do you know what in all honesty that might have been something that i remember them saying to me so i might be now inadvertently taking credit for it and going like you know what i think i have a great idea um, <laughs> so oh, we'll hey, see, no, 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 wait 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 uh, hrpc we have just HR... said done yeah we have hrpc vegas in chat right now and they said dawn sure yeah it sounds good it's happening. Um, it's happening also i want to be i want to judge uh a an elvis slash my little pony um costume mashup contest oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. oh i'm not saying this is elvis no listen i'm not saying i'm not saying that that's happening i want that to happen um i would love it if people did their best like you know amalgamation of a pony in the style of Elvis, any any era Elvis. So we can do like, you know, 50s Elvis, or we can do LeMay suits, or we can do the leather Elvis, whatever you want to do. If you do that, fat Elvis, you are getting, you are getting such a bro hoof. I'm just going to be like, right oh. on. <laughs> Perfect. I think that would be super fun. All right. And uh, you're let's... right. Priest, you were right. It is you actually have the time. And I'm sorry we only got to half the questions, guys, but thank you for asking. Yeah, we did manage to knock out probably about 50 questions this cast. Are you serious? 50 um, questions, guys. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. yeah. No, we, there were over 120 questions submitted just for this podcast. Um, but we did our best. 
yeah, we did our best to get through them. Thank you, everyone, for asking questions. And, of course, thank you, Bill, oh, um... for um, asking this question. Uh, we do have one more that we're going to need to ask. We have an animator okay. who loves oh, cool. – animator, uh, YouTube – celebrity i want to say who loves to watch our videos and make videos based on the responses for our guest questions uh mm -hmm. do we have your does he have your permission to uh use your voice and your answers in his video absolutely awesome Wonderful. and also i i think you should ask his first question uh the invisible davis his first question is let me scroll all the way down how can you find it? He's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale I'm, of I'm, yes... I'm so sorry. It's no, okay. don't worry about it. On a scale of yes to yes, how much do you regret coming? <laughs> uh, no. Boom. Plot twist. Plot twist! Oh. Woo! <laughs> I'm your favorite member, aren't I? The best. Yeah, no! 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 Well, no, Stu, listen, no, listen, 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 because everybody needs a foil. Everybody needs somebody to work off. Yes, saying, okay. You're saying he's garbage, and you're not, and that's why you like him. I got it, thanks. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that per se. But... <laughs> oh, but, Bill, thank you so much for coming on. It's really oh, you're fun. very welcome, folks. It's been a wonderful yeah, joy to have you. you, and we're excited to meet you at HRPC, yeah. uh, even if it's just briefly in passing. Sure. Um, of course, to everyone who's watching, thank you for tuning in. Um, be sure, if you have just a spare dollar, to go out to our Patreon and support our rescue horse, who's yeah. called Big Mac. You can his, say, name, his name is Big Mac. His name is actually Big Mac. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's adorable. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for watching this episode of the BarCast. Thanks, uh, everyone. Is, your bartenders have been a non-pencil. I'm on two glasses of wine now. Enigmatic <laughs> Otaku. Whoops, almost dropped my microphone. Simon Warford. Oh, I am going to curse like a mother after this one. Milk. <laughs> Not enough beer. Ravage. <laughs> we didn't throw up. Yay! Of course, the wonderful voice over actor himself, Bill Newton. Thank you. Microphone, 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 microphone. Drinking, drinking, drinking. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and and you are welcome, everybody. Yes. <laughs> have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next week, week where we have um, Starstorm? Drew. Oh, we have Drew. Okay, cool. So thank Bye. you, everybody. See you next week. Woo. I'll be Bye. the same.